How you doing? I'm Mike Gaddy, and welcome to a special edition of the Patterson Park Podcast. Today, today I sit down with Shelly and Norman O'Faran and talk water monitoring of the Chesapeake Bay, specifically the back estuaries and shallow shoals of the Chesapeake Bay that currently are not continuously monitored. In order for those waters to be monitored, small community groups currently get into kayaks or in small boats, paddle out to these hard to reach areas and check the water using handheld devices. Shelly and Norman hope to change that. Norman created these bobs, bay observation boxes right in his garage. Actually, it was in their greenhouse because Norman's background is in horticulture. Shelly's background is in teaching high school English, and together they have created this program to not only monitor the waters of the Chesapeake Bay, but to get students involved with that program. So sit back and listen to their story as we talk monitoring the waters of the Chesapeake Bay using community groups and students. Take a listen. Right. So we we wanted to retire mostly not because we didn't want to work anymore, but because we wanted to have control of our own time. And so we knew that we would keep working, um, but we were just kind of deciding on what we wanted to work on. Um, And Norman was looking at working with submerged aquatic vegetation because he's got a horticulture background. Um, you, You tell that part. Yeah, and and I just started reading about a lot of articles about um, submerged aquatic vegetation in the bay and how they needed to be restored. And and <laughs> but turns out to be very important for the health of the bay. So I got an, I got interested in that in that and just happened to also very coincidentally got found out about or read about. Uh, makerspace equipment like microcontrollers and electronic stuff, which I had no previous experience in, but I I, I could see it seemed like uh, an inexpensive way to increase the water quality monitoring, which is very important to the SAV to the to the seaweed basically. So it's it's like a whole uh, I don't know if, if subculture is too strong a word for it, but there's a whole bunch of folks out there that are like building their own drones and they're building all manner of like stuff like even wearable clothes that lights up it's all manner of stuff and you know the same people that have like 3d printers and so with these microcontrollers you can make you know lots of lots of different things and i got to thinking that well maybe you could make um inexpensive water quality monitoring equipment which turns out to be pretty expensive so wait Okay, so there are groups right now monitor, obviously monitoring the water quality of the bay. Like, so how are those groups? Where's the the pitfall? Where is it that that the monitoring is lacking? That you thought, oh, we need an inexpensive way of doing it. From 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 the all the articles that I read, it seemed like many of them said, oh, if Winley could do like more intensive monitoring like the monitoring that does go on and and quite a bit has been done is like in the main stem of the chesapeake and focuses on the big wide open areas and um a lot of the sav grows in you know these smaller creeks and all that and so it seemed that there was a lot less monitoring of those smaller areas and even now it, it seems um 
you know, if you if you read some of the stuff on the Chesapeake Bay and go to some of these webinars, they talk about moving into the shallows, you know, moving into these up creek areas where not a lot of work, it seems, has been done. But you could do a lot more work, but of course, researchers are kind of constrained by, you know, their budgets. And um, so, you know, they, they want to be able to, um, you know, the equipment to do that monitoring that's commercially available is fairly expensive. Are they government groups that are doing this monitoring? Is it local groups, state groups, what? Well, there's all manner out there. I think in the scientific community, it's mostly like the um, like the colleges and universities, like University of Maryland is very involved. Uh, William and Mary uh, has a pretty big program for uh, monitoring the submerged aquatic vegetation. And then the Chesapeake Bay program, which was uh, set up as I think a consortium amongst the all the watershed states, uh, that's like a, a a government, you know, quasi government organization. So that's where a lot of the that's all the mainstream research has been done. A lot of it through those folks. But there's a lot of smaller watershed groups that are volunteer groups, like the one we're a part of, or there's two that we're a part of, and uh, you know they have some handheld equipment and they go out. And they do some manually done, you know, we go out in kayaks and boats and all that and do monitoring that way. Um, and even those little pieces of equipment will run you a couple thousand dollars, you know, uh, $1,500 to $2,000 at, at a minimum. Those, we got involved with a couple of those groups, right? So when we go out and do that kind of water quality monitoring, we'll go to an oyster sanctuary where it's really important to, um, know what the what the the water is like right then right there for those oysters that they're trying to encourage and so we go out there and we have to go when the weather's good we have to go when we can take a buddy we have to go when the kayaks we have to go when the boat's available so like in a season we might only get measurements this year we only got measurements like three or four times through a handheld device in a kayak paddling into Right, or in a boat. Backwaters. Yeah, and so Norman's idea was, well, what if I could use this makerspace equipment to, to make an automated buoy that would take all these measurements and just continuously put it up to the internet every 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, Which so is what the big groups are doing, right? I mean, like say NOAA, we were talking about NOAA earlier on another call. And you said that they had buoys in the main portion of the channels that were doing that. But it seems to me, from what you said, the disadvantage is they're in the main portions of the Chesapeake. And also, how expensive are those continuously reporting sort of super buoys that these big government slash quasi government groups are utilizing to get this data? Yeah, I don't know exactly. I'm guessing they probably run... Thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. I mean, they Noah does have like a very cool system of the of these uh, buoys, and you can get on like right now and check out the weather out there and and see all these parameters. But to replicate that back in all these smaller areas would be probably very cost prohibitive. So you got to thinking that uh, okay. So you 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 were online poking around in makerspace when you were still just thinking about all of this stuff. 
And you said that there was a, um, th that these backyard weather stations were, seemed to kind of fit a template that was in your head as to where this could go. How, how, how did it evolve in your mind from a backyard weather station to a continuously, a makerspace continuously reporting buoy of bay information in the backwater? <laughs> yeah, I I think it was, I mean, I just happened to see in 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 looking around that there is these weather stations and they're fairly inexpensive now. Um, and and people buy them and put them in their backyards and it just seemed like a good analogy that, you know, there's plenty of people around here that have a dock um, and maybe instead of a weather station, they would have, you know, something like one of these uh, bobs that we call them. And, uh, you know, it'd be the same thing, except it would be for water quality and um, it would be a, a way to raise awareness about water quality, just like, you know, broadly speaking. And then I think the other piece is, is that it allows you to tap into citizen science, right? So if if you kind of do the same thing that Weather, other, weather Underground does and you get your kit, right? So you get a kit, you, you get a Weather Underground station, then you now become um, a little weather station that's broadcasting the weather conditions on the web and scientists can use that information. That information is out there for anybody to use. So if we could make these bobs, which are bay observation boxes, if we can make them cheap enough that like anybody with a dock could, could have a bob, now they're doing water quality monitoring that becomes citizen science that's accessible. So now we've got better um, breadth of coverage and better temporal coverage in the Bay and all these little nooks and crannies that previously weren't getting a lot of coverage. Okay. So in the course of a couple of years, you've figured out how to create these units at less than a thousand bucks a crack, how to launch them, get them in the Bay. How many of these little buggers do you currently have floating out there? And how much data are you getting from them and is it continuous like the NOAA's is or is it you know sporadic so uh we've launched 12 of them um we have two different grants that we work on so we work on one for um the career and tech high school near us it's called the James A Forest Career and Technology Center so uh they had a grant from uh, the Chesapeake Bay Trust for $5,000 and we launched seven. And then we had another grant for 10,000 for the St. Mary's River Watershed Association for their oyster restoration sites. And we did five more for them. And then both of those grants were renewed for this year. So we're doing both of them again. And we're gonna make a total of, between those two grants and one that we had a donation for, we'll we'll have in the spring eighteen of them in the water. Now, um, so when they're in the water, um, and this is this is experimental technology, so sometimes they go down, whatever. But when they're in the water and they're not on the workbench getting upgraded or whatever, then every fifteen minutes they're sending data. And so for the one grant that we had five buoys for this summer. 
um, we added up and we had like more than a million pieces of data just from that one, just from those five buoys. So they, they do their best to like, um, you know, based on like past history, essentially to figure out, well, here's a good place that we should try to do restoration in, but they don't often do like a really in-depth water quality review of it and like measure things like intensely over time. So that's kind of the thought we had was, well, this is one of the things that we could do is if we could field some of these devices and we could get better information and, and select, maybe this would help in the selection of a, a specific location. If you know that one area is better than another area, then you know you're not going to waste all that valuable um, time and effort. And it's not just the cost of producing the like the baby oysters. It's also the the cost of, you know, getting out there with volunteers often or hiring boats to go out there and put it there. So all these things enter into, um, you know, what's the co most cost effective way to use, you know, your scarce resources to try to to be most efficient in in pushing forward the oyster restoration and, you know, in the overall bay. So if you can pick an area that's better than another area, then it's it's just better use of your money. Okay. So you you came up with this idea in the makerspace area based on home weather stations. And then you got the idea of deploying these low-cost monitors out onto the bay. But that's only part of the story, right? There's a whole other part of the story. And I think, Shelly, that's where you come in. How are you integrating this into the into classrooms and the community? And it seems like you've taken it the next step. So um, Norman actually woke up one morning and said to me, uh, you know, we should be doing this. We should be using your education experience. We should be doing this in the schools um, because that way you're, you're not just improving the water quality monitoring, but you're doing a lot of outreach to get people more aware of the need for water quality monitoring and it, the whole education piece of working with kids builds that next generation of stewards for the Bay. Right. And I'm an English teacher. Like, I don't know anything about environmental science. Um, but what we did was we approached um, a teacher at the local career and tech center. And we suggested to her that we do some work together and she was very amenable. We, we're, we've established a great partnership. And we go in and we do this as um, part of project-based learning. So in the schools now, and I was really into this in my English classroom, in schools now, um, the idea of learning through doing a project is and, and having an authentic experience is um, something that's really being explored. So what we do is... We go in, we work with the kids at whatever part of the project we're on, and we fit it into Dorothy's curriculum. So we did a lesson with them on working with the data. We did a lesson uh, sort of in the same, on the same day, let's clean our data, let's clean our bobs. We brought our bobs out of the water and we're like, look at all the junk that's growing on these bobs. They took the junk off, they counted it, they, they classified it, they did all kinds of environmental science learning things with it and, and they, they came up with the name bob yes they, 
So uh, we went in one lesson last year. We had our prototype in the water and um, we went out one, we got a call one day from one of the groups we worked with. And the woman was like, uh, I was out there and I did not see your buoy. And we were like, ah, she just didn't know where it was. So we go out there and we're like, we don't see our buoy. <laughs> that time that was like 800 bucks worth of equipment. Okay. So uh, we got out there with a kayak. We kayaked all around. We couldn't find a bob. Well, he wasn't called a bob at that time, but we couldn't find the buoy. So we went into the school and we said, hey, we have a problem. We lost our prototype. And so we had them do some brainstorming. And part of it was we talked about getting a, you know, having a cellular signal. So we having the GPS on there so we can figure out where the thing is. So if it leaves its location, we know. Um, the kids took a vote and they, half of them thought that, uh, our buoy had been messed with, that someone ran over it with a boat or stole it or destroyed it and that it was evil intent. And the other half were like, no, it's not, it just, the rope broke, you know. Dog ate it. <laughs> right. So they decided we need to personify this thing. We need to make it clear that it's a school project. We need to make it friendly we need to make people not want to run over it with a boat so they called them the bay observation boxes he's got a little character he's got a little magnifying glass whatever they designed the logo they designed a web page to go with it um and they did all the branding and that grew out of a real life problem we lost our prototype and we don't want to lose another one in the sort of good news of the universe four months later some or some paddleboarder who was out in the winter, which you should not do, public service announcement, don't do that, um, found our bob under a dock. All the writing had come off of it, and he remembered that it had been in the bay next to a Friends of St. Clemens Bay buoy, called them up, they called us, and we got it back. It seems to me like every single facet of education is touched on with this sim rather simple, straightforward concept of monitoring water in small estuaries around the bay. So um, we've worked other class. So this is a career in tech center. The graphics communication kids worked on the logo and the branding. The kids in the engineering class did some help last year doing some soldering. Um, we're working this year, Norman and, and this one kid are building an entire Bob. So Norman, Norman and this one student are building this Bob together. Um, and yes, it, it, it touches on all of these different components of education. The kids have written press releases, you know, Dorothy, the teacher is, has talked to them a lot about you know, if you go and get a, a job in environmental science, unless you're working for some grand giant place, most of these small organizations, as the environmental scientist, you're also putting out the press release and doing the marketing. So you need to have an idea like they don't learn when 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 they are in, engaged in this in our project. It would take me a whole unit to teach them how to write a press release properly. They don't learn all that. They just get a little taste of it. And then next week we calibrate instruments. And then the following week- They get week, a little taste, but they get a, a very practical taste of it. A, a real authentic taste of something. And the things that the kids say, um, 
you know, periodically we do a Google form and ask them what's been your experience like. And they're like, one kid said, I had no idea that even such a small project had so many pieces and parts that had to be figured out. And another kid said, it's so interesting to me that the answers to this project cannot just be looked up on the internet, that there's not just answers. Like they think the first time we ask them to find something out, their solution to finding that thing out was to email Norman and say, Mr. O'Foran, how do I clean the bobs? And we were like, no, we want you to figure out how to clean the bobs. We don't have it figured out yet. That's why we asked you to do it. But their first reaction is to Google how to clean the bobs. Exactly. And then when that does, so back to the bobs for a second. <laughs> but what has been the most, what nights have you been up at until, you know, the next morning trying to solve a problem that, that was all you thought was going to be impossible to solve. And then when, then you got, got to the solution. Well, I think the hugest part has been, um, there are so many facets of it that, and, and none of them, like I'm an English teacher. Norman is a horticulturist slash project manager. Like none of them are things that we are like, oh yes, I, I learned Python in, in, in college. Like we don't have any of this, but that's also to me the most inspiring part. Like one of the things I always try to talk about with the kids is, hey, if you get into something and you need to know how to do something short of like brain surgery, you can learn it on the internet. Like we're in a world where anything is available to you. And so I think the most challenging part has been that there are so many facets and so many pieces. Like if I'm writing a press release, that's my world. I know how to do that, but I'm only doing that a small portion of the time. I'm not an environmental science teacher. I have Dorothy and Norman sitting in the room to, to like stop me when I go down some like non-science road that's wrong. And they're like, oh, actually. Right. Like, oh, Don't drink the bleach. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I understand. The other piece is, is that you have, we have to remember that like, we're constantly working on the next problem. So right now our problem is, We've got them in the water. We figured out how mostly Norman has figured out like how to make them, how to make the solar panels work, how to make them not run out of batteries, how to make it so that, you know, they don't float off, how, like all these things, right? How to keep them for a season so we can get our million pieces of data. We don't ever really think about, wow, that's cool. We, we got that far. Instead, we're like, we now don't know how good our data is. Like, We've got to figure that out. We don't know how to figure that out. We have to figure out how to figure that out. And then the other thing is like, we didn't like wake up one morning and say, hey, we're going to do all this stuff. It's kind of like been like a breadcrumb kind of thing. Right. You know, we're just following some breadcrumbs here. And it's kind of like yeah, I mean, morphed into or grown into like some of these things that we've gotten into that just seem like a logical path to follow down. Shelley said, we are constantly working on solving the next problem. And while Shelly and Norman have huge talent and have launched this program from nothing using their own money, they need some help. They need your help. If you would like to become involved in this program, please reach out to Shelly and Norman. They would love to hear from you. Meanwhile, I'll talk to you soon.
on another special edition of the Patterson Park Podcast.